Yes, I know that I'm a rapper at the end of the day. But I think it's time you knew me by my government name. Hi, I'm Dave. I'm Lil Diggy. Hi, I'm Dave. Welcome, Computer Report Hi, readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Energized by Celsius. It is a Thursday show. The last one of the week, but we always try to save the best four lasses. We're going to talk even further, even more about new Bucks offensive coordinator Dave Canales and all that he's going to bring to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because the Canales era has begun in Tampa. We got a lot of videos that we didn't even show on yesterday's Pewter Report podcast that we're going to reveal to everybody today. So I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is our guy from pewterreport.com, Adam Slavon. Adam, thank you for joining the show. Good to see you, man. Haven't uh, talked yeah. to you one-on-one in a little bit. Um, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited to talk about uh, Canales this evening and what he's going to bring to Tampa. It's very exciting times. Uh, we talked about it before that it's just overall – like everyone can kind of take a deep breath can kind of decompress a little bit because let's face it not knowing who your offensive coordinator is on top of not knowing who your starting quarterback is going to be is quite a stressful predicament to be in for any team especially for Buccaneers fans watching this right now so the importance of getting Canales and hearing him talk seeing his vision a little bit I I think he crushed absolutely crushed the press conference yesterday we're calling him the the human Celsius because he was just so <laughs> enthusiastic and and so energetic. So I mean, there are Bucks fans right now being like, "All right, we just found our next head coach." Uh, they're already kicking out Todd Bowles out the door. I don't necessarily agree with that, but it seems like for the majority, there's always going to be some detractors. For the majority, he won over the Bucks fans in his inaugural press conference in Tampa Bay. With the media. So, um, Adam, you watched the press conference. Just wanted to get your overall thoughts of um, what you saw from Dave Canales when he was up at the lectern, not a podium, a lectern. Yeah. So, you mentioned the Bucks fan base maybe being won over by his introductory press conference. It's easy to see why the Bucks brass was won over and liked him so much throughout the interview process. A very high character. You saw it high energy coach and he's bringing energy and excitement to Tampa and especially the offense and they need it. They need to be energized by a guy like Canales. He really stood out uh, just mentioning a couple things that stood out to me yeah. was he said, we critique effort first. And he said that play calling wouldn't be the hardest part, but building a culture would be. And those are, those are two really important things to take away. And building a culture and keeping guys in line and making sure that they're all giving effort. Cause at times last season, you didn't see that effort on the field. Uh, the 49ers mm-hmm. game, it looked like a lot of the, the players were just like whatever and just accepted getting blown out 35 to seven. I don't think Canales would, would stand that. And he'd be running down the sideline like Sean McVay does for, for the Rams. And so just listening to his press conference, listening to his answers, all his answers that he gave were really thorough and he wasn't just giving like simple answers. He was very strategic in what he was saying. And it also really set up all his mentors that he mentioned. I thought that was huge and kind of how he took one aspect from each of them. The One of the first things that really popped into my head was thorough detailed. I think is another good example, the way that he explained plays or explained how the offense was going to be run it was kind of things that we haven't heard from other coaches in the in the Bucks organization. And I don't know. I think part of this might be because this is his first offensive coordinator role. So, you know, the coordinators and the coaches talk way – head coach talk way more than some of the assistant coaches. So he was ready to go. I mean, he wasn't yeah. revealing any information, say, that the Saints, the Panthers, and the Falcons could take and be like, oh, all right, we got him. Like, we ha- we know their secrets. He didn't give away any specific secrets, but he definitely was way more open than coaches across the league really are. And to your point, that San Francisco game, we all remember the video of Tom Brady trying to hype up the players in the huddle. Donovan Smith not even looking over. Yep. That is a direct correlation that 
it's something where Dave Canales can come in. And I, I asked him about this. We had a, a separate conversation later on. And, you know, you watch some of the mic'd up videos when he's in Seattle and he's energetic, he's running around. And, you know, he said that the players feed off of it. And he said it's really for the moment, especially in training camp, when you get into that, you know, the dog days of summer where you've been doing it day after day, you're hitting the same guy. And, you know, even if you're, you feel sluggish or you don't really want to go to practice that day, he said it doesn't matter. You just, you got to keep that same energy because everyone else sees you. And they kind of go off of what you are doing. And his memory, man, is absolutely wild. You brought up yeah. the fact that he brought something up about every single coordinator that he worked with when he was in Seattle. I mean, there was so much video that, one, I couldn't even get it from the beginning because I'm trying to, like, post the last video and, uh, you know, focus at the same time. And Twitter videos can only go for, I think it's, two minutes and 20 seconds, if I'm not mistaken. So Around there, there. Yeah. was only so much I could even put up of, of Dave Canales on this press conference. But we actually do have the video of him talking about the multiple different coaches. He's kind of like in the middle of his of his answer when he is um, talking about this. But let's hear from coach, offensive coordinator coach, Dave Canales, um, explaining the things that he's learned from the number of offensive coordinators that he got to work with when he was with the Seahawks the same words um let's make everything look the same um the way we lined up the way we put our inside foot or outside foot back um and we got feedback from across the league as we meet people at the combine they would say we could never tell what you guys were doing because marshawn's feet were always matching the tackle so it looked like runner pass um and then daryl gave me uh the pass game and daryl gave me a great system um we were just uh, situationally sound, third down, red zone, two minute, different situations. He really gave me a, a nice tight tool belt that I'm still using that we've, you know, Gino was able to employ some of the same uh, concepts there. Um, and then Daryl was really humble. Uh, he listened, he asked, uh, he took critique, criticism um, from anybody who was willing and had a backup, had, well, show me that. Um, so he taught me how to, how to handle himself as a leader that way. Um, Shoddy came in and taught me how to train the quarterback. Um, and Daryl was awesome at it as well. Uh, Carl Smith, known as Tater, was one of my mentors. Uh, taught me how to, how to teach winning football to the quarterback. But Brian Schottenheimer really, you know, you, you look at his track record, you know, it's Philip Rivers, it's Drew Brees. Um, it was uh, Mark Sanchez as a young guy, Andrew Luck as a young guy um, in Indianapolis. Um, and then when he came into Seattle, he really took my QB school to another level with how he presented it, um, how demanding he was with the footwork and timing. Um, and then of course he was just a, a really skilled veteran play caller as well. Um, so to sit back and watch him do the same thing I saw the guys before him, uh, in-game adjustments, you know, um, setting things up. Um, that was a huge impact that he had on me. And then Shane Waldron came in and he came from a system of young offensive head coaches who really didn't have to answer to anybody so that's where you had the think tank the r&d right and they could do or try anything um and then instead of leaning on the uh, this is just the way that it's always been done um he said well that's no longer acceptable what's the smartest way to do this uh what's the fastest way to do this um how do we set this up with this type of tempo and that's where a lot of the study across the league, across college, um, really started to come in um, and really make sense as an offense there. Um, and while we've been in Seattle for the last two years, that's where Shane um, and the staff, we were able to really employ a lot of different offensive personnel to the same principles, um, to the same system that's being used across the league. And it's why a lot of, a lot of us, um, counting myself in that now as coordinators and head coaches have been um, coveted across the league to be able to bring that system in there. He mentions a lot of different coaches there. Um, some of the video before we even got video, he mentioned a couple other coaches, but the ones he mentioned there, Daryl Bevel, Brian Schottenheimer, Carl Smith, who he calls Tater. Um, he mentioned Tater a couple of times um, throughout the press conference. And Shane Waldron was the most recent offensive coordinator that he worked with. And of course the, the head coach that he was with the whole time was Pete Carroll. And he said one of the biggest things that he learned from Pete Carroll was humility. And I think you really see that in the, the press conference 
that he had yesterday and specifically his answer right then and there. It, it, the things that he was saying was important. The things that he learned hold water. They will help the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I think more just going out of his way to specifically one by one go through every single coach and pick something out that really helped elevate his own coaching abilities. I really think it speaks a lot about not just the coach, but the guy himself. Definitely. And the way that he answered the questions and went about like his press conference, it also showed that he's not scared to answer difficult questions. He took every question. He was like, great question. And then he went yeah, into he detail. Did. And I thought that was awesome. And just mentioning each offensive coordinator one by one, it also shows he's willing to learn new co concepts and like kind of refine what he believes and where the league's going. Like you mentioned Shane Waldron and kind of the offensive minds that have taken over football in the past few seasons. It sounds like he wants to be one of those guys. And so just an awesome press conference. And as Jason pointed out in the comments, the Bucs may have found a gem here. Absolutely a gem. And listen, we can't put the carriage before the horse, as yeah. they say. We don't even know how the Bucs are going to look this year. Again, some people saying future head coach. Some people being like, oh, he's um, – you know, he's going to completely change this franchise. He's saying all the right things. You have to execute it as well. But you can see why you want to um, buy into really what he is saying. The problem is when you have a defensive coach, when you have the offensive coordinator that plays well or calls plays well, then that offensive coordinator becomes a head coach somewhere else. But that's a future problem for the Buccaneers. And that's a good problem because that means yeah. the Bucs – are um, winning a lot of games. By the way, want to give a shout out to everybody in the comments. Um, we love you guys, the pewter people, for for watching. Um, so, want to make sure we get to a couple as well. I totally agree with the only Bucks fan here. And if, if you want to super chat us, we will uh, have you cut the line and get you right up front with these comments. But only Bucks fan says, "So y'all want our team to be so bad that they fire balls? Why can't it just? Why can't it be just a good hire by our head coach?" That's absolutely true. I don't get why Bucks fans want Todd Bowles out of town already. I understand it was not the best year last season. But if Todd Bowles gets fired, that means this team had another losing season and are in a world of hurt, and you're going to have to start over all over again. So I understand wanting to get the rebuild done right away. I just feel like Bowles should get some credit. You know, he he's taking his ego aside, bringing in someone that he didn't really know all too well before he, you know, brought him on as the offensive coordinator for the Buccaneers. So if you want the team to do well, you want Todd Bowles to uh, to be a good head coach. Also want to give a shout out to Luke Easterling. Check out all of Luke's work. Um, great with the Bucs, great with um, draft as well. He says Adam gets extra points for the bad boy two poster. Uh, Thank very, you. very true. We got to have Luke on a podcast soon, especially yeah. since we are in draft season. So appreciate you, Luke, being in the comments um, recently. Alien Macedon says Dave Canales might improve the run game. We shall see. He did talk a lot about the run game. We'll get to some of those videos um, in a little bit. Another thing I want to talk about briefly, and Adam will uh, get your comments about Todd Bowles and everything else as well. But of course, the Peter Report podcast is energized by Celsius. Make sure you check out the new flavor, the Fantasy Vibe. It's like having a creamsicle. We know Bucks fans love creamsicle. The sparkling lemon lime is fantastic as well. It's like having a Sprite, only that much better. Seven essential vitamins doesn't give you that post-energy drink crash or, or jitters that you might have with some other products. Um, make sure you go to your local 7-Eleven or Bodega to try out those flavors today. And if you don't know where to get a Celsius, uh, punch in your address on the store locator on the Celsius website. And it will lead you to your nearest bodega where you can start enjoying all the delicious flavors of Celsius energy drinks. That's hashtag Celsius live fit. What do you think, Adam? Should Todd Bowles, does he deserve credit for the hiring of Dave Canales? Or is it a situation where, hey, he kind of fell into the lap of uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I think he deserves credit for the hire. And like you mentioned, kind of going outside his comfort zone and trying to better the offense in the best way that he sees fit. I feel like with Canellis, he's a 
He's a young offensive mind. And even though he may challenge Bowles, let's say if the Bucs don't get off to a hot start and they start losing games and he's on the hot seat, Bowles at this point, he just wants to succeed and he made the best hire to do so. And kind of going like through all the offensive coordinator names that were mentioned, there was about 10 different candidates. He picked after uh, Munkin and some of the other guys fell off the board, he arguably picked the best candidate and he could have settled. He could have went in a completely different direction. But just the way that he went and saw Dave Canellis, saw his success with Geno Smith and said, hey, we can have a brand new offensive identity. I think that speaks volumes to Todd Bowles. And I think the cool thing for Canellis specifically is, you know, Bowles wants to win no matter what. He doesn't care about his own ego. He just wants to win. I think you see that a lot, too. I mean, let's face it. One of the I mean, there were so many storylines to get into with the Bucs this year, but one of them. And the height of it really was the Thursday night loss to the Baltimore Ravens. But, you know, that was the apex of Devin White isn't playing up to his potential. Maybe he shouldn't get a contract extension uh, following uh, this upcoming season. And Todd Bowles could have had every right to call Devin White out during, um, you know, the press conference the day after or even after the game four plays where it looked like he was loafing a little bit. And you know what? Todd Bowles backed his guy. He backed Devin White. And I think you saw that a couple of weeks later when we spoke to Devin. We had spoken to Devin, Devin uh, multiple times since then. But I, I think it was not long after uh, the passing of Devin's father, unfortunately. But he talked about his relationship with Todd Bowles and how Todd said, you know, Todd would send him food like when he first, um, you know, when he first got to Tampa and, he said, you know, you can you can talk to me anytime. And he, he looked at Todd also. I mean, he obviously had his own father, but he looked at Todd as like a separate father figure as well. And I think that's why we understand, you know, Will Golson once said, and this is while Bowles is still a defensive coordinator, but I don't see why that would change now. He said Todd Bowles is the type of guy that uh, we would run through a brick wall for, that he would specifically, but a lot of Bucks defenders share that same um, sentiment. And I, I think that's why we got to understand that people get mad when they show Bowles on the sideline after a play and he doesn't, you know, have a crazy reaction like Bruce Arians would have. And you know what? That's okay. There's different ways to coach. And that doesn't, that doesn't mean to say that, you know, one way of coaching is better than another. And I also think there's a lot more to Todd Bowles than, I, than most Bucks fans realize. But then when you bring in like someone Canales, it shows – He's willing to adapt. He's willing to adjust. I mean, that's one of the biggest things we talked about, Adam, was the lack of adjustments by the Bucs, but specifically on the offensive side of the ball. So Todd Bowles is making his own adjustments right now, bringing in Canales, bringing in Skip Pete, uh, George Edwards. Skip Pete's the running backs coach. George Edwards is going to be the outside linebackers coach. Let's remember, this is the first offseason that Todd Bowles is bringing in the guys that he wants to bring in. You know, it was one thing to become the head coach. He didn't really get to make any changes. They were all there for him, and he kind of had to weather that storm because, one, it's a bad look if you get rid of these guys and you just had two great seasons. Two, it's kind of like an FU to Bruce Arians if, hey, I'm going to step down, I'm going to make you the coach, and all of a sudden he's going to fire all of his guys. This, In a weird way, it kind of had to happen, but this is a new era, obviously, with Dave Canales as offensive coordinator, and – in an odd way, you almost have to wipe the slate clean with Todd Bowles, just in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like Bowles deserves a longer leash just for his reputation as being one of the top defensive coordinators before taking the reins as head coach. And what he was able to do with the Bucks defense before becoming a head coach up to now, he hasn't really had the chance, like you said, about building his staff from the ground up and pick like hand picking his own guys. So this will really be an like some aspects, the first taste of seeing Bowles as being the complete Bucks head coach and maybe not having Arians have as much influence on the Bucks organization as he has in years past. And one of the first things that Canales spoke about, he was actually asked by uh, Pewter Report's own Scott Reynolds, what was the interview process like talking with Todd Bowles? And Canales uh much like all of his other answers, was quite detailed with the Jason, response. What types of questions did they ask? And, and, and you know, if you can give us some insight into that. 
Yeah, I think, um, you know, it really started off with uh, questions about Seattle, um, about what we've been able to do. I've been there for 13 years. Um, so I'd like to tell this story. I got the job in 2010. My daughter was born two months into it. So I drove home, brought my wife Lizzie and my daughter Ashby up to uh, Seattle and we've been there ever since. So I can always, you know, tell how old she is based on how long I've been in Seattle. So it's pretty convenient there. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it was about um, just, you know, creating a, a place where, you know, regardless of the uh, ebbs and flows of talent that we had over the years, um, the ability to build an offense that complemented the defense and the special teams that created winning football. Um, and that's, uh, it's in my DNA. So I, I uh, started with Pete in uh, 2009. So really it's 14 years together. Um, and what I saw firsthand, which kind of became ingrained in who I am with my football DNA, was just um, a real toughness and style of how we play. Um, training the staff, training the players. These are the critical variables that help us win games. And uh, so starting from there, those are a lot of the conversations we had, you know, and having the chance to, uh, to coach against uh, Todd um, for a couple of years in Arizona and some of the battles we had there um, with Bruce as well. So. Um, there was some familiarity, um, but then, you know, in recent years, you know, Shane Waldron came from um, from the Rams and brought a system that was just um, really revolutionary um, in the way that we teach it, um, the way we streamline it, um, the way we present it using uh, media, using digital, using all types of uh, techn technological tools for us um, to make it user friendly for the players. So um, it was a combination of those things. Definitely sounds like a modern day coach. Uh, he talked further about analytics um, later on, and he is a fan of of using analytics. But I think the key phrase that he had in there, Adam, was matching the offense with the defense. He said that they had that in Seattle, and I think there's a lot of games you could point to last season for the Bucks, Adam, where and the defense certainly had some of its faults. But for a lot of those games, the Green Bay one specifically. The defense kept the Bucs in the game, and then it was on the offense late, and that's how you got either the Tom Brady comebacks or just disastrous losses to teams that they should have never lost to, like the Panthers and the Steelers. Um, so I think Dave Canales is talking Todd Bowles' language with just having an offense that's clearly better than last season, but it doesn't have to be a perfect offense, just – Stay with what the defense is doing and, you know, get to that 20, 25-point range. Not asking for 30. Just do your part, which the offense was lacking a lot of that last season. Yeah, and so you mentioned the Packers game. Another game that you could point to would be the Bengals game and how the offense, they just had turnover after turnover, and they put the Bengals in great position to score, and they really took control of the game because the offense wasn't able to complement the defense and so Canella saying that and saying how that different personnel has on offense has to match what the defense does is really important and one thing I'm curious about is how the personnel for the Bucks looks in 2023 at maybe two two of the most key positions in controlling the football quarterback and running back and so Canales, he spoke very highly of Trask, and it almost sounded like he was comfortable day one rolling with him under center and just saying how his system's very quarterback friendly. And then for Rashad White, mentioning that he's a special talent and he really sees a fit there as him being the featured back. Kind of want to get your thoughts on that and how you see Kyle Trask and Rashad White maybe being a bigger part of the offense than we realize heading into next season. Yeah, so... I, skeptical isn't the right word, but I, I think we have to understand that Canales can't talk about any other quarterbacks right now because it's tampering and they're not on the roster. So there's no yeah. point in saying I would like an Aaron Rodgers, I would like a Baker Mayfield or Teddy Bridgewater when they're not on the team. Now, with that said, and I can play the video in a moment. We played it yesterday, but you know there might not be there might be people that didn't watch yesterday's show, and you can watch it now. He said that he liked Kyle Trask even going from Florida. And he said for his traits in a quarterback that he that he's looking for, and I think this really speaks a lot about why Geno Smith was able to have a renaissance of a season, 
He said he wants his quarterback like a point guard. Just distribute the ball and then let everyone else do their thing. Just get rid of the ball. He had this great line about, and it might be in the video, about if you don't want the Bears coming after you, get rid of the ham. And everyone's like, that's so funny. They play the Bears this year. I'm sure that quote will come up um, just again. I think he can get improvement out of Kyle Trask. And he did talk in in another answer about, you know, QB pulls and, and, uh, and bootlegs and things like that. And he's like, listen, and this goes back to Shane Waldron, who, as he mentioned, coached the Rams. Kyle Trask is not, no one's going to mistake him for Lamar Jackson or, or someone like that. But he's like, Kyle Trask is quick enough in small spaces. He's like, look at it similar to Jared Goff. Jared Goff, if you want to point out some of the negative stuff, sure. Jared Goff, Goff got, and a lot of this goes to Sean McVay, but Goff went to a Super Bowl with the Rams. They didn't win that yeah. one. That's when they lost to Tom Brady and, and the Patriots, his last Super Bowl that he won with New England. But still, I mean, you have to be good enough to at least get to a Super Bowl. And then you were they were saying that that's kind of what Kyle Trask can be. He's not going to be a speedster. They're not going to call design plays or RPOs. But he's mobile enough to do certain things in this offense that is even going to help the running game, even as a passer. Because then you got to, you know, the defense has to account for something else. They either have to come into the box more or they have to play further back and put a spy on the quarterback because of those bootlegs and draws. So I think if they really hammer home the traits and the qualities that Dave Canales was talking about, Kyle Trask can function in this offense. I don't think he's going to be a Pro Bowl player like Geno Smith. I think he can function and keep the ship afloat in a crappy NFC South division. Now, Rashad White, obviously Dave Canales saw up front when they had Kenneth Walker what a very talented running back can do. And he said, yeah, I can just play the video. Um, watching Rashad White, he got to see him up close in the, uh, yeah. in the Germany game when Rashad White was a real spielmacher in that one. He was a playmaker. <laughs> you know, he saw the elusiveness that Rashad White can bring. But what he really liked was the the violence that he brought as a runner, the physicality that not everyone realized at the time, especially if you're a coach on a West Coast team and you're not really paying attention to the Bucs unless you're playing them that week. So I think he's going to get a ton out of Rashad White. Yeah. Obviously, the running back room is up in, up in the air right now. Fantasy football-wise, I'm jumping on Rashad White almost as quickly um, as I can. But I'm going to play that video about Kyle Trask and then – um, the much shorter one about Rashad White. But again, a lot of great stuff that Dave Canales had to say about two guys that, one, Rashad White is going to be in a very important piece. And if Kyle Trask is your quarterback, obviously that's the most important position in football. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be able to shop for Derek Carr, or is it going to have to be somebody in a, in a different aisle, so to speak? Um, you know, um, yeah, good question. So um, the way that I've been trained is they're ours until they're not. And so right now I got one Bucks quarterback. You know, it's Kyle Trask. Um, and I can talk about Kyle for a second here. I really liked him coming out. Um, if you look at some of the uh, skill position players that he had there, uh, Kyle Pitts, Kadarius Tony, he had the big return in the Super Bowl. Um, and then you have uh, Damian Pierce was another guy, right? Well, he was able to distribute. And, and the thing that we're going to help Kyle continue to build on here is to just be a point guard. Point guards don't have to be the one that score all the points. You just distribute, um, play on time. Get the ball out of your hands. Life's better that way when you do that. And you got these bears chasing you. And if you don't like bears chasing you, then get rid of the ham. And that's the football, right? So don't. So just teaching him those principles, um, allowing him to be a distributor. And, and a, the other part, too, about just QB philosophy and play. Uh, coming from a junior college background and high school and all that, we really didn't care if the guy was 5'10 or 6'4. I had a 6'6 six six quarterback. The one thing we were looking for is can this guy play catch? Um, and and uh, Shadi called it the me to you factor. Uh, I love that. It's just me to this guy, learning who my skill players are and being able to distribute. He's already shown he can do that. Um, and then on top of that, it's just a really quarterback-friendly system um, because of the balance of the run and the pass. Uh, we're not going to put him in harm's way a lot um, until, of course, you know you get in those situations where you got to throw it a little bit, um, and then we'll do that as smart as way as possible. You've worked with a. You hear me at the end there. Um, I was about to play the Rashad White video, but we got a 
$50 super wow. chat by BG Carnage. Thank you so much, BG Carnage, for this very, very generous super chat. You are the effing man or woman, whoever you are. Thank you so much. Uh, B Carn BG Carnage says, I got nothing to say, but followed you guys for years with three kids can never be live. Keep up the good work and don't tell my wife. I didn't read that last part. So you are a guy. Well, I guess. Yeah. Thank you so much, BG Carnage. Thank you for that $50 super chat. If you feel compelled to say something later on in this show or for future shows, we will put you on no matter what. Uh, that's extremely generous. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, that's why we love the pewter people, not just because they give us money, but um, on the super chats, but just uh, your guys interacting with everything, your passion for pewterreport.com. Uh, it seriously means the world. We wouldn't be able to do this podcast without you guys. So uh, BG Carnage, the commenter of the night. Thank you so much. Uh, let's get back to uh, his quick statement on Rashad White. And then Adam, I have a question for you. Here is Dave Canales talking about the ever-talented Rashad White. Oh, yeah, just the uh, what shocked me about that was the toughness and the style that he ran because I saw him as this, like, versatile guy who you could run routes with out of the backfield, split him out wide and do some things like that, plus the run game. But then you see his attitude, um, you know, in person in Germany and just see the, you know, the, the style that he ran downhill. He was aggressive, you know, um, the violence that he played with, and you go, wow, this guy could be special. Um, and, uh, you know, he's got some, he's got some great skill set that really fit into our system. And BG Carter says sound advice. Kids are young though. <laughs> um, BG Carter also says, I'll just point to her constant flow of Amazon packages. Maybe you're talking about Celsius. Adam, my question for you was for all the great stuff about Dave Canales and we've been hyping him up. For all the great stuff, there is one concern about Dave Canales, and that is the fact that he hasn't called plays before at the NFL level. For you, how how much of an issue is that for you? Is it is it something that you're really closely going to monitor, or is it something where he'll figure it out, and uh, to you, you're not too worried about it? To me, I'm not too worried about it. Just based on his answers, based on his mentors, based on his character, he really seems like someone, like let's say week one, they put up three points and there's a lot of criticism. He's going to be like in, looking at the drawing board and saying, how can I get better? What kind of place can I run with more success? So to me, I don't really see it being a big concern because I think uh, Scott wrote about it. All the play callers, they call plays for the first time at some point. Yes. And they're all inexperienced. You could say that about uh, Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay mm -hmm. or really anyone else along that route. He has to have experience at some point calling plays. And the offense can't get any worse than it was last season and only putting up about 18 points a game. And just some of the games that the Bucs had were like atrocious on the offensive end <laughs> where they only, they only had three points, they only had 10 points against defenses that were missing all their playmakers. And so just to sum up, I don't think it's a big concern at all. Sure. There might be some naysayers out there that say he hasn't called plays. We need an experienced offensive coordinator. To me, it doesn't matter at this point. Now, if it's like week eight, week nine and bucks offense is struggling, that could be a topic for discussion. Dave Canales said something that I think will ease the concerns of a lot of Bucks fans. And uh, it's actually a story that I'm writing that will be out tomorrow on pewterreport.com, along with the return of SR's Fab Five. So a lot of great content coming out tomorrow. I'll have a ton of awesome stuff up today. But Canales, understandably, was asked about his lack of experience, specifically calling plays at the NFL level. And this was his response. Let us know in the chat if you feel better uh, about him calling the plays after his response. Both interviews with Baltimore and then with, uh, with Todd and with Jason. Um, I really respect the play calling position. Um, I respect how hard it is. Um, I respect the skill that the guys that I've worked for 
that they had to have the mastery of the game plan and the call sheet. Um, and I know that I'm gonna take some lumps and have to learn my lessons along the way, um, but I'll learn quick. I'm a quick study. Um, I have guys with play calling experience on this staff. I'm gonna lean on them, um, bounce ideas off of them, packaging things. Um, so I really do respect that part of it. It's something that I'm really excited about. Um, I'm really just, I've been chomping at the bit, you know, just trying to get an opportunity and I've called mock games. So I'd be like the offensive coordinator for the twos. Um, and that's been a lot of fun, especially when I had Gino for the last couple of years and we go in and embarrass the ones a little bit, you know, and um, I, you know, I found, took a lot of pride in that. Um, I will say though, play calling is not the hardest part of this job. Um, the hardest part of this job is creating a culture, um, creating a language, teaching my coaches what the system is so they can give me good information um, and then teaching them how to communicate it to the players and making sure that our language stays consistent. No synonyms. We say it like this. We say high and tight. That's how we talk about ball security. Um, and and uh, of course, the game plan as aspect of it. Um, those are the most challenging parts um, of this position. And the play calling is just fun. I mean, it's, you know, that's the part that's like the payoff, you know, at the end of the week. Um, and just one more point with that. When you're in the quarterback room, you're the quarterback's coach, you know, or pass game coordinator like I was, you got to know the call sheet like cold. You got to know it like the back of your hand. Um, feeding play ideas for the last, you know, three coordinators really at different times in my career um, has allowed me to cut my teeth a little bit on what that looks like. Um, but, you know, just having a mastery of the, of the call sheet comes with the role of being the quarterback's coach. Um, which is why it's important, you know, Thad Lewis having quarterback background, he's called it. He's been in the huddle. You know, he had to look at people's faces and say things. So when a guy becomes a quarterback's coach, it's so natural to him. He's the QB of that room, you know. So um, any other questions about what, that? What was your? First of all, the number one thing to me that stood out in that answer is play calling is not the hardest part of the job. Um, as he said there, it's. It's all about getting everyone on the same page, understanding and instilling the offensive scheme in the system to everyone, not just the coaches or not just the players, but the coaches as well. And he talked a lot separately about developing everybody, not just the starter, but the second string and the third string. And he talked about all the time that players get injured. The starter gets hurt. He talked about this a lot at the running back position in Seattle where you know, Rashad Penny might get hurt, but then Thomas Rawls stepped in and did a solid job. And then people went on the waiver wire to try to get him on their fantasy team a couple of years ago. So it's about developing everybody. And I thought really what was most comforting, Adam, and then we're going to get to a uh, super chat after, uh, after your thoughts about it. I thought it was really comforting. Comforting was the fact that he said that he's done mock play calling where he's done it in practice and his words saying that he got the better of the first strings when he had Geno Smith as uh, as the second string quarterback. It's not like he's never dialed up a play before. It just hasn't been an, in an NFL game. And you know what? That's what the preseason is for, too. It's for the coaches as well. He's going to at least get to call some plays um, in training camp and in three preseason games. So hopefully he'll be ready by the regular season. And just to your point about the players being on the same page, I think will be huge for the Bucs on the offensive side. Because I think we saw it last year watching the Bucs, the offense with Brady and Evans, at times it looked like they weren't on the same page with yeah. the routes that Evans would run. And also speaking on that, the Seahawks had DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And the way that they were able to utilize those receivers, I think will be huge in, for the Bucs next season. Because there were times when Evans would disappear for like a half. He would yeah. start off really hot, and then with the game planning, he wouldn't even be a, a vocal point on the offense. So just kind of kind of summing up what we've said about marrying the offense and the defense and having the offense complement the defense, mm -hmm. I think it'll be important that the the play calling is all on the same page because the Bucs really need, to, need that next season, especially not having Tom Brady at quarterback. Absolutely. There were, we talked about on yesterday's show and we brought up Mike Evans and Tom Brady. There was communication issues there. Um, everyone's on the same learning pace at this point. It's a new offense with a coach that really no one in the organization has worked with before. So everyone from Mike Evans to Devin Tompkins 
are all on the same level of learning this offense. Thank you to Fernando Fernandez for the $5 super chat. Any rumors on bringing in Zach Wilson? Your if boy. The Jets, yeah. If the, if the Jets move on from him for Carr, Wilson is only 23, rookie contract, and could thrive with Canales. So the first thing that has to drop is that Derek Carr goes to the Jets. That's not or, set in stone. Or Aaron Rodgers. You know or I mean? Aaron Rodgers. Or Aaron Rodgers. Um, that's the first thing that has to go down. But also, you know, what I've seen from the Jets, what some of the, the coaches and the GM has said is that they're not giving up on Zach Wilson just yet. I think they're content with leaving him on the sideline and learning from a veteran such as Carr or Rodgers. Rodgers and, and Wilson even struck up a friendship. They had a joint practice, I think, during training camp and then obviously played each other in the regular season. So I don't even know if Wilson's going to be available, even if he's not the starter. Now, let's just use this hypothetical, Adam, that Wilson is cut by the Jets. Do you go after Wilson? Well, you kind of already, it's not exactly, it's not identical, but you sort of already have that with Kyle Trask, just a guy that, Trask at least is way more unproven. Wilson has stuff on tape. Wilson has played in games and just has done really poorly. Trask just can't beat anyone out in training camp. and doesn't really have the game tape. I'm, I'm not going to judge his future yeah. career just because he, you know, threw nine passes in a week 18 game, you know, went three for nine or whatever it was. So you kind of already have that in the building. If you want to say sign a veteran, and then have Wilson against against Kyle Trask with the veteran kind of helping out everybody else in between. I'm all for the competition. Yeah. The benefit of having Wilson to Fernando Fernandez's point is he's only 23. He's on that rookie deal. And because he was a first round pick, you can get him for an extra year. It'll be more money in that in that fifth year, obviously. But since Kyle Trask was a second round pick. You can only have him for four years. So Trask only has two more years with the Bucs under his rookie contract, where Wilson, you would get it for three. But what do you think about that, Adam? Kind of what you said. Like, if the Jets are content with Wilson, the Bucs have to be content with Trask and just kind of roll with him at this point because he is an unproven commodity. And you mentioned bringing in a veteran quarterback to maybe compete with Trask. I think one name that makes just so much sense is Drew Locke. And yeah. he's not... He's not a veteran. He's only 26, but in a lot of ways, he's like a more experienced Trask. Another second round pick, another guy of similar stature, uh, 6'4", and Trask is 6'5". So they're very comparable. He has experience in uh, Seattle with Canellis. And so I see that route being more likely than going after Zach Wilson because he could just be another Josh Rosen. And like his game tape, like you mentioned, was not impressive with the Jets. And yeah. he had an, he had enough weapons on offense to do something in New York, and he failed to do it. And I don't know if the Bucs would be willing to bring in a guy who didn't who wasn't accountable uh, after yeah. one of their losses later in the season and saying it wasn't on him, even though he threw like 82 yards in a game. Right. So I think, <laughs> I think the better route – yeah, I remember that. So I think going with Trask and maybe signing a guy like Locke is the route the box should take as it makes a lot more sense. Well, whether it's Zach Wilson, whether it's Drew Locke or Kyle Trask, that's starting at quarterback for the Bucks next season. It's going to be really interesting what their numbers will be to bet the over under on, uh, on underdog fantasy. Now football season might be done, but you can still use underdog fantasy for golf, for basketball and hockey, which is going on right now. Baseball is right around the corner. I believe it starts March 30th. That's at least when the Mets play uh, their first game of the season. They actually played the Brewers the their second series uh, in the regular season. They play the Brewers. Um, okay. Anyway, you could do it for baseball. You could do it for the UFC as well. And of course, the NFL when football season gets here next year. It's the easiest way and the best way to get some action on your favorite pro sports. And that's with their rivals, ga- their pick'ems game and their rivals game. Um, you just pick an over or under on at least two different options and take home some cold, hard cash. Use the promo code Pewter to double your first deposit today up to $100. Once again, use the promo code Pewter 
at Underdog Fantasy and win some money today. We're going to go back to our favorite commenter, the commenter of the night. Uh, BG Carnage says, the real concern I have, we have many veteran coaches on the offense, more Pete Goody. Uh, does Canals end up being able to truly command the group when things get rough, or does it so uh, discontent? Or does it show discontent? Yeah, that's a really interesting point because everything's all hockey dory right now. Everyone's great. Everyone's on the same page, but there's going to be different interests, different opinions as the the season goes on. What I think works in the favor of Canales is the fact that he worked with so many different coordinators in Seattle that he kind of he knows his role. He know everyone, everyone else's role. And now he's in the elevated spot. And he actually BG Carnage, you're setting me up for uh, all great things tonight. He spoke about working with older coaches and how they're going to blend his game with the, you know, with Skip Pete and with Goody and, and Coach Gilbert as well. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be a committee at the end of the day, it's going to be Dave Canales making the decisions, but there will be input from all the other coaches, um, that he's going to be working with. So, uh, here he is. Uh, Goody, Harold Goodwin. Here he is. Didn't want to jump the gun real quick. Here he is talking about Dave Canales discussing working with the other assistant coaches that are on the staff of the Bucks. First of all, uh, Goody, Harold Goodwin, and uh, Joe Gilbert are here. You know, you talk about world champion offensive line right there. So um, I, I can't wait to get in there and, and sit with them and put a run game that's really awesome, you know, together and, and build off of the things that they've been successful with. Um, and they've already been so supportive, um, just wanting to expand um, with some of the ways that we build formations. So we're just, it's not these simple things that happen. We can move stuff. Um, that's going to look really hard for the defense. It's going to be pretty simple for us. Um, John Van Dam, tight ends coach, is already here. He's got quarterback, OC background. Um, and so just having the value of a guy who's coaching the tight ends with all of that, um, he really becomes like a bridge. You know, he really becomes the glue. Um, makes me think of our tight ends coach in, uh, in Seattle, Pat McPherson, um, who had the same type of background as a quarterback's coach in Denver. Um, as well as a tight ends coach. And so he's been kind of the bridge over the years of whatever our run game is, man, Pat's got these keepers and these play actions that really make it come to life. Um, and when I was drawing passes, I would always joke because I'd be like, Pat, I've been drawing these plays five years and you haven't bring me, you haven't brought me um, a, a package of it without there being something I haven't drawn. And we're talking about thousands of plays, you know, but so that's what I'm going to be expecting from John as well. Um, and then uh, Skip Pete, we talked about, um, just fired up to just be able to lean on him too, just as things get rough at times, you know, uh, somebody who's been around to be able to, uh, to calm me down as I can get a little bit, a little bit excited and uh, got a lot of bottled up energy and a bunch of ideas, but um, that'll be really helpful. And then uh, Brad Idzik, so five years at Stanford um, as, a, as an assistant and then four years in Seattle, quarterbacks and receivers. The thing that I'll say about Brad, the reason, there's two reasons really why I had to have Brad. Number one, you look outside after any practice, he's out there with somebody working or two or three guys. Uh, he was always that safety net, just kind of catching guys. You know, if you have 12 guys in a receiver room, he's working with the bottom half. If we brought a free agent in who needed help transitioning into a new system, Brad's right there early afterwards here's the plan here's how we package these things here's how to block this guy right there um and that's gonna be really important with mike and with chris you know um for him to be the bridge for those guys into this new system you know and um that's going to be a really a really uh important task of brad's um and he was mentored by sanjay lal in the receiver room some of you might not know him he's regarded as one of the best receiver coaches out there and um he, he trained brad um and so brad's going to be able to employ some of those um, study film, you know, uh, different techniques and all that he'll bring. Um, and probably most importantly, he's my workout partner. So he's 10 years younger than me um, and he can go. So like I'm chasing him up and down the gym and uh, it keeps me alive. And so we've spent a lot of good time, a lot of good hours together. Knows the area too. I would think. And yes, he knows the area. Uh, John and Carol, 
Idzik live uh, not too far from here. So um, just a really cool homecoming for him, too. He really can hype up anyone. You know, he's hyping yeah. up his new coaches. He was hyping up the old coaches. Somehow gave a shout out to Mike and Chris as well. Uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. So he's willing to put others before him, clearly. And I think that goes back to as well, just his uh, his deep background and his dedication to his faith. He talked a lot about being a, a servant of God. And he's, he mentioned that helped him a lot with overall being overlooked for coordinator jobs. You know, he's been in, he was in the Seattle's organization for a long time. They brought in coordinators from other places. And um, obviously that could, that would anger a lot of people, but you know, he understood what the plan was and, you know, he turned to his faith with that and he turned to his face faith with this. And now he's the, the Bucks offensive coordinator. And obviously a lot of coaches on staff, um, some that he knows like Brad Itzik, others, He's going to get to know, such as um, Coach Goody. You heard him mention Coach uh, Van Dam as well, the, the tight ends coach. They're going to have to have a bonding moment at, at one point or another. And uh, I think a great place where they could go and bond would be at Pin Chasers, do a little bowling together as a uh, coaching staff. Of course, there's multiple locations that you can go to for Pin Chasers. It's a great night out with friends and family or new coaches that you're getting to know. They have deals every single night. From uh, all-you-can-eat pizza to all-you-can-bowl to dollar beers. Um, if you have a kid, you want to throw a birthday party. They also have an arcade area so the kids can go bowling and um, and play some video games as well. The food is very, very underrated from the pizza to the chicken tendies to the nachos. Full-service bar with um, all beer, wine, and liquor. So go to pinchasers.net. See what the best deal they have for you. If you want to have a company outing, it's a great spot for there as well. So pinchasers.net, make sure you check it out. There's one more video that I want to play, Adam, and that is him talking about the run game because the Bucks were terrible at running the ball last season, but not all hope is lost. And he talked about how they'll improve the run game and just – what it takes and what he'll do to just make sure that no matter what they're moving in the right direction, it might not even be the run game. It might be, Hey, we're going to stop with the run. We're going to throw it, but just his overall willingness to adapt and adjust, I think was a, a, another big moment from this press conference. So one last video from Dave Canales. And how can you bring that type of efficiency to the league's worst rushing attack? Yeah, so um, first of all, you got to have great players, right? It's all rattled them off, right? Marshawn Lynch, you know, you have Thomas Rawls, who was fantastic for a couple of years. Chris Carson came in um, out of nowhere as a seventh-round pick and, and just ran like a madman for a couple of years. Here comes Rashad Penny, you know, and Rashad's been an explosive, you know, play waiting to happen, uh, adding Ken Walker, you know. Um, and so, so then what it comes down to is you got to have a great system, great coaching up front to just get the play started. Um, and a lot of what, what you do with having the play actions, right? The, the boots, uh, the keepers, it just slows down the backside just enough to give a great player space and then see you later, you know? Um, and so some of those runs have come off of that. Um, but it's also about the attitude, right? Just knowing when to uh, just pour it up in the dark crease, you know, and get that ugly two and three early on. And that becomes four and five. And then it becomes 12. You know, um, and being uh, dogged in your uh, commitment to being able to run the ball um, in any given situation and any given personnel. Um, that being said, if the run's not working, we're going to throw it a little bit more. If the pass isn't working, we're going to run it a little bit more. You know, there'll be days um, if they're not fitting the runs right, we'll run the ball 40 times. You know, and there'll be days where you got a matchup outside with Mike or Chris Godwin um, and we're blocking them pretty good. You know, and we could throw for 400 plus yards, and that's happened in our in our past in Seattle as well. Is just like, do whatever it takes to win, and above all, take care of the ball. Um, so you know, having that balance is critical, and it's not about establishing the run. You know, it's about establishing a, an attacking offense that makes you have to defend the run, but also defend the pass.
you know, and then that's when you become dangerous. If you're going to. Adam, I get the feeling that, you know, last year for the Bucks, a lot of the times it was the same story. But this season, especially if they win, it's going to be a different story every single week. You heard him talk about we might run it 40 times if that's yeah. what's going to work best, or we might throw it all over the field. We might throw it all the way down if we get the right matchup. So going to see a lot of different stuff from the Bucks this year in, in games and hopefully winning games. Yeah, and kind of to the point we mentioned before, I don't really see there being discontent on the Bucks staff at all between the older and younger uh, coaches on the staff. You talk about having Tom Moore, Skip Pete, and Goody maybe being guys that he can lean on for advice. There's also some younger coaches and yes. Brad Idzik and Thad Lewis. So I think it's just going to be, there's going to be a different style of football next next season for the Bucks, And it all comes down to Dave Canales and arguably what he mentioned as being the four key points from those he's learned from work ethic, communication, teaching, and always bringing new ideas and concepts. So I think we're going to see that every week this season coming up that there's going to be new elements brought into the offense or um, there'll be like an enhancement in communication, I would say. And so it'll be exciting and just what he's able to do with offensive staff. Yeah. I think to what you talked about with, um, you know, the hustle and he talked about like Gino running down the field with the running back and, and the lineman going downfield. The first person I thought of that's going to love Dave Canales is Ryan Jensen. I think Ryan (laughs) Jensen is going to be obsessed with Dave Canales. I think Mike Evans as a team leader, Tristan Wirfs. And then I think Mike Evans and Chris Godwin as leaders on this team, as guys that always put in the work. If you check out Mike Evans, Instagram right now, he's putting in the work in basketball. He's uh, (laughs) making sure that he polishes his game up for that as well. Obviously his number one focus is, is football side note. I would love for Mike Evans to play in a, uh, NBA celebrity all-star game. Like DK Metcalf. Did. Yeah, like DK ripped it up. I think won the MVP yeah. in that game. Love Couple to see dunks, Mike Evans seeing do Mike that. Evans. Yeah. If the All-Star game is ever in Houston or um or like Orlando, it would be so awesome to get Mike Evans um to do that. But yeah, because of the work ethic Mike Evans has, same with Chris Godwin. We obviously all know his story coming back from that injury. These guys are going to feed off of um, Dave Canellis. And I think it's it's going to be great for um, everybody involved. Another thing that's great is every flavor involved when you are drinking a Celsius energy drink. You heard me talk about the new flavors earlier in the show, but we can't forget about the Arctic peach and tropical vibes. Some of the best flavors out there. Celsius just has a variety of flavors. Those that I mentioned, uh, you got the sparkling kiwi guava, sparkling wild berry, um, original watermelon as well, um, peach mango, the peach vibe, tropical vibe, uh, so many awesome different flavors. Um, if you want to get it in bulk, I'd recommend getting the variety pack because variety is the spice of life. If you want that strawberry kiwi guava or strawberry lemonade, I've been drink- been drinking that a lot. Go to Amazon, click on the subscribe and save and have it sent to your house or apartment every week, every month if you want it quarterly that's totally fine again just make sure you're drinking celsius the official sponsor of the pewter report podcast hashtag celsius lip fit hashtag celsius energy Uh, we absolutely love when you guys send us photos of having a celsius when you're out and about doing uh doing what you're doing uh on that day it's really awesome we love celsius so check out all their great flavors and of course as we wrap up the show Make sure you also check out pewterreport.com and follow us on our social media at pewterreport for Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And then, of course, if you're watching right now, you're on our YouTube channel. That is Pewter Report TV, as Richard says. Fancy vibe, mind blown. Big fan of that. We love seeing it. But yeah, Pewter Report TV, if you love the podcast, we've been putting out a lot of different videos recently. Um, obviously, a lot lately have been with Dave Canellis, the new offensive coordinator. We got videos, we got voiceovers, we got shorts, um, a lot of awesome different stuff. If you like our content, please just like and subscribe 
Um, cost you absolutely nothing. Just lets you know when we go live. So hit that subscribe button if you're a fan of pewterreport.com. That's going to do it for us on tonight's show. But we have a big week coming up next week because Pewter Report will be live in Indianapolis, the state of Indiana, for the NFL Combine. It will be Scott Reynolds. It'll be myself and Bailey Adams representing pewterreport.com in Indy. I have to say that slowly because you got the two INs uh, together. But we'll be in Indy. For the combine, we're going to talk to Jason Light. We're going to talk to Todd Bowles and obviously a ton of prospects in this year's NFL draft. Stay tuned to our social media. We'll let you know what times we are doing each podcast and each show. We might change things around a little bit, but we will still have all of our episodes on our YouTube channel. So great stuff coming up next week. A lot of exciting stuff that we went through this week, and uh, we're just going to keep it rolling. So. For Adam Slavon, I'm Matt Matera saying thank you to everybody watching this show tonight. We love the Pewter people, and we will see you next week for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Have a great weekend. Peace out. Out. Oh.